Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! It's the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Sportsbeat on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. As always, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Get the app right now. It's a free download at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Just search WSBT Radio. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a terrific Friday, November the 4th, 2022. 73 degrees right now in downtown South Bend, Indiana. But things are going to change a tad bit over the next 24 hours. We're about 26 and a half hours away from kickoff as 5-3 Notre Dame will look to knock out the fourth-ranked team of the country, the 8-0 Clemson Tigers. Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our pregame coverage starts at 1 o'clock. We play back the Marcus Freeman radio show. Then from 2 until 4, it is Tim Growl and Jim Irizarry hosting the game day program brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. That's the Notre Dame interview show, former Notre Dame receiver, defensive back, and also Irish offensive coordinator under Charlie Weiss. Mike Haywood's going to be on the program. Rudy will be on the program. Bill Gallagher, a running back for the Irish from 69 to 71, and former Irish offensive lineman Bob Morton. From 4 until 6.30, I'll be joined by Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka. will break down the X's and O's for two and a half hours from 4 until 6.30. Again, kickoff at 7.30 after the game, Jim. And the great Reggie Brooks break it all down for you on the official 
Notre Dame football postgame show. Well, the weather for tonight, mostly cloudy, 30% chance of showers, low of 58. The winds will start gusting out of the south, 15 to 20, maybe up to 35 mile an hour. Tomorrow, your general forecast is this, cloudy, 60% chance of showers, windy, a high of 65, south winds 15 to 25, but gusting up to 50 mile an hour. So I've already started to notice in West Lafayette and Bloomington, a lot of talk about tailgating. I think at Purdue, they're not going to maybe allow the tailgating structures to be set up because of the wind that could happen at Notre Dame as well. So if you're going to be tailgating tomorrow, be prepared for the unexpected because it is going to be an extremely windy day at Notre Dame Stadium. Rain throughout the day. But I'll say this, according to some of the more recent weather models, it looks like the rain should be stopped by around 5 o'clock if these models are right. According to some of the latest information that I've ran across, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Things are looking pretty good precipitation-wise. It's still going to be windy, not – it doesn't look like 50-mile-an-hour winds, maybe 15 to 20. So hopefully at least the rain stays away for the sellout crowd at Notre Dame Stadium, ready to watch the Irish, try to knock off Clemson. And right now Clemson's still a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against this Fighting Irish football team coming up on the program this evening we'll have predictions on this matchup you'll hear from Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney his thoughts on the way he believes Notre Dame has found an identity on offense and have changed their season we've got the my five question of the day the top five ways the Notre Dame Clemson game will play out you'll hear from blue and gold's Tyler Horkin the six o'clock hour We'll have our sports wagering segment where I have eight college football picks for the weekend, one NFL and one college hockey. We went 2-0 and on our college hockey picks last weekend. First time we've ever gone down that road, but DraftKings Sportsbooks, they have college hockey wagering each weekend, so we jumped aboard on that. I'll have a hockey preview coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Number 12, Notre Dame on the road taking on number three, Minnesota. It's on the Olympic ice sheet. That is the bigger ice surface. If you've been to the Compton Family Ice Arena, the secondary ice surface is Olympic size. It is a wider ice sheet. And so the Irish have had time to practice on their Olympic ice sheet to prepare for this matchup at Mariucci this weekend. Minnesota's actually getting rid of their Olympic ice sheet. They're going to go with a smaller ice surface, more like the Compton, starting next year. So unless the Irish have to play Minnesota on the road in the Big Ten tournament, this will be the last time the Irish will play on the Olympic ice sheet at 3M Arena at Mariucci. Minnesota was number one in the country until last weekend. They split a pair of games in Columbus against Ohio State. Notre Dame, a win and a tie at home against Michigan State. Irish Hockey in Minnesota tonight on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM, and on the Notre Dame radio network, streaming at und.com. Pre-game show at 7.45 South Bend time. The opening face-off 
at 8 o'clock or maybe a couple of minutes after from the Twin Cities. I'll be calling the game from my basement tonight. We'll bring you the action of Irish hockey on 94.3 FM. So that's what we have coming up over the next couple of hours. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. All right, just got the line charts for tonight's game. Sorry. Just taking a little peek, see who's in and who's out for tonight. Now I'm ready to go. All right, let's start with a little recruiting news before we get to our normal advantage game the day before the Irish play. Caleb Smith is going to be visiting Notre Dame tomorrow, a 2023 wide receiver. This is noteworthy because he has decommitted from Texas Tech today and will be taking a visit to Notre Dame tomorrow. Caleb Smith is 6'1", 180 pounds. According to On3, the recruiting service tied in with our colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Smith is ranked as the 197th best wide receiver in the class of 2023. With the announcement by Smith that he is decommitting to Texas, depending on the service, crystal ball, magic selections, whatever the case may be, on on three, they now have Caleb Smith, a 94.4% chance that he will end up committing to the Fighting Irish. Maybe it happens this weekend. Now, Notre Dame currently has three wide receivers in their class of 2023, three four-star talents, Braylon James, 6'2", 185, Jaden Greathouse, 6'2", 219, and Rico Flores, Jr., 6'1", 195 pounds. So the Irish, not afraid to add a fourth wide receiver in this class. Worst case scenario, if someone leaves the class, you've already got another guy in this class. You'd like three or four in this class to start reloading the wide receiver room. So we'll keep an eye on Caleb Smith visiting Notre Dame for this Clemson game against 6'1", 180. Decommitted from Texas Tech earlier today and will be in South Bend tomorrow to watch the Irish take on the Clemson Tigers. More on this when we have Mike Singer on Tuesday here on Sportsbeat. He is the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Of course, if you've got a subscription to blueandgold.com, follow the crew on Twitter. You'll have all that information over the weekend. But we'll recap everything during Mike's Tuesday visit here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Now let's talk Notre Dame Clemson. The Fighting Irish are 5-3. and three. They have won five of their last six games, including the 41-24 win over Syracuse on the road last Saturday. The Clemson Tigers are 8-0. 
ranked number four in the initial college football playoff rankings. Their last game two weeks ago, beating the same Syracuse team. But the game was at Clemson. Syracuse was up 21-10 in the second half. The Orange roared back to win that game over Syracuse 27-21. Clemson needs a win to stay alive in the college football playoff race. If they lose, could be hard for them to get back into the top four. So this is an extremely important game for Clemson. And I like to describe Notre Dame this way. No, this is not for a playoff berth, but this is a chance for them to pick up a win over a top five team and continue to change the narrative about this team, trying to change the way people feel about this squad that played a very poor game against Stanford a few weeks ago. But they have bounced back. You knock off UNLV. You're supposed to do that. And then a really good performance last Saturday up in Syracuse, leading to this matchup with the Clemson Tigers. There's a bit of a buzz that Clemson's there for the taking, and Notre Dame, with their physicality, might be able to pull off the upset. Let's go through some of the matchups in this ballgame. Let's start the advantage game with when Clemson attempts to run the football. Now, Clemson, so far this year, they are 41st in the country running the football at 185.5 yards per game. The Notre Dame defense getting better. They're up to 51st in the country, allowing 129.6 points per game. Clemson has a solid offensive line. I don't believe they're as good as Notre Dame's offensive line, but a solid offensive line. As a team, they're averaging 4.5 yards per carry. And you have to worry about the quarterback running the football, DJ Uyagungale. Not smooth. Not smooth. I thought I had it down. But DJU will run the football. He's done it 89 times this year for 350 yards. That is second on the team in both categories. In the bigger contest against the best competition or the closest games, Clemson will lean more on Will Shipley than they might against a lesser team or a game that's a blowout early. That's when Mafa gets a few more carries, but I expect Shipley to be the main guy at running back for Clemson in this game. 123 carries for 739 yards for Shipley. Six yards per carry. He's got 10 rushing touchdowns on the year. Notre Dame will have to worry about spying on the quarterback since he can run the football. He'll leave the pocket, take off, and run like we saw Ian Book do for the Fighting Irish for three years. Not comparing the two. I'm just saying DJ will take off, leave the pocket, and try to pick up yardage with his legs, which mean this is probably a spy game for the Irish defense, and Maris Leofal comes to mind immediately since that was one of his roles against Drake May the versatile quarterback of North Carolina a month ago. Who has the advantage? I'm going to give the advantage to Clemson when they attempt to run the football. A lot of respect with Shipley. And again, the quarterback is someone you have to worry about running the football. So advantage Clemson when they attempt to run the football. Next up, 
when Clemson throws the football. Clemson's pass efficiency offense is number 46 in the country. Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense, back in September, they were in the 90s. They're up to number 56 in the country. When you look at DJ at quarterback, 64% completion percentage. He's thrown for 1,803 yards, 17 touchdown strikes, four interceptions. He has been sacked 12 times. Now, the freshman Klubnik got in the ball game when DJ was struggling against Syracuse. The freshman, many believe the best quarterback in last year's class. So far this year, 9 of 19 for 85 yards. That's a 47% completion percentage of touchdown, no picks. He has been sacked two times. They did not ask him to throw a whole lot against Syracuse. He was handing the football off in the second half, and that worked just fine. Notre Dame's pass rush has been very good as of late, averaging three sacks per game. Notre Dame came up with those elusive turnovers against Syracuse, helping out their offense. I think this matchup is close, but when Clemson throws it, I'm going to give a slight advantage to Notre Dame, mainly due to their pass rush and their ability to be okay in coverage. They don't make a lot of breaks on the ball in the air. They don't break up a lot of passes. Hopefully, Joseph kind of broke the seal on the interceptions with that pick six on the first play of the game last year. And I think the one thing also I lean toward Notre Dame, Clemson doesn't have that DeAndre Hopkins, T. Higgins, those explosive receivers that have hurt Notre Dame in the past. This is a group that is young, and in some respects, underachieving. I know this is going to frustrate a lot of Irish fans, but the top pass catcher in terms of receptions and receiving yards is a true freshman. They've got him on the field, and he is leading them with 29 catches, 364 yards. It is Antonio Williams, more of a slot guy, and slot guys have hurt Notre Dame in the past in this matchup. Now, one of the guys they were really counting on was Bo Collins, a 6'3 sophomore. He'll wear, he'll wear number 80 tomorrow for Clemson. So far this year, 18 catches, 290 yards, leads the team with five touchdowns, but Collins does not have a catch over his last two games against Florida State and Syracuse. Three games ago, he had four catches against BC. Then you go back one more game, that primetime win over NC State, one catch. So five catches over the last four weeks for Collins. No catches the last two weeks, and that has really surprised some of the Clemson media. So because Clemson, I believe, is a little down at wide receiver compared to past years, slight advantage Notre Dame when Clemson throws the football. Next up in the Advantage game here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed as we break down Notre Dame-Clemson. Darren Pritchett with you at 524. How about when the Fighting Irish attempt to run the football? For the last five games, Notre Dame over 200 yards. For the season, they're up to 39th in the country, rushing the football at 186.9 yards per game. 
the Clemson run defense with their defensive line known as the Avengers. Seventh in the country, stopping the run at 87.9 yards per game. Syracuse ran for over 100 yards against Clemson, but they did it mainly with their quarterback. That's not an option for the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame has created an identity for themselves. It is a physical, bruising, old-style running game. Are they going to be able to line up in an I formation, 13 personnel, and run the football against Clemson? Major storyline in this game. They have ran it really well between the tackles. They're starting to rely a little bit more on Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. This is a massive part of the ballgame. I think the Fighting Irish will find success running the football with their physicality. But in order to sustain that running game, it just feels like you're going to have to make some plays in the passing game to keep Clemson a little more off balance. At the end of the day, when Notre Dame runs it, I'm going to give the check mark to the Fighting Irish. Not putting it in bold, but it's a check mark for Notre Dame. When Notre Dame throws the football, pass efficiency offense for the Irish at 69. Going into the Stanford game, they were in the low 40s. In fact, I think they were 40th. They have now fallen back each of the last three weeks down to 69. Clemson's pass efficiency defense, 38. Now, Clemson has some young corners who have grown and matured throughout the year. Their heads were spinning at Wake Forest earlier this year when Sam Hartman threw six touchdown passes Beyond the touchdown passes, there were pass interference calls, grabbing, holding, not being able to find the football. They're playing better than that now. Wake Forest has, I think, better wide receivers than Notre Dame does. Drew Pine. Big spotlight on Pine. Everybody around him has to play well. But I also think Irish fans are sitting here looking at this game saying he's got to be more efficient in the passing game. He has to be more accurate. He's got to be able to go through his progressions and find that open guy. You want to throw it to Michael Mayer, but you can't force it. I just wished I knew how well the passing game was going to play because my prediction of the game could be totally different but I can only go on what I have seen the last three weeks, and it doesn't give me a lot of encouragement that things are drastically going to change. They could, but it's hard to sit here and predict that. So I'm going to go advantage Clemson when Notre Dame throws the football. Special teams, both teams block punts, field goal kickers, return game. I'm going to call that even, not really an advantage for either team, although Notre Dame has blocked a punt in each of the last three games. Intangibles, I'm going to go Clemson. They have the playoff berth at stake. And another intangible that could be a difference maker, Clemson, when they get into the opponent's red zone, they score points. 38 of 39 times they have scored. 71% of the time they score a touchdown. They will face the worst red zone defense, at least statistically in the country. Notre Dame has allowed only 20 Offenses to get inside 
their 20-yard line. That's actually a really good stat. The problem is when the opponent gets inside the Notre Dame 20, they have scored every time, including 17 touchdowns and only three field goals. There's got to be a batted ball that's intercepted. A quarterback stumbles and falls and loses eight, nine yards. A fumble. I mean, something's got to happen at some point, right? That would help the Irish get off the field in that spot without giving up points. But the stats don't lie, and that's another part of the intangible that I give Clemson a slight advantage. So let's go a little deeper into our predictions, try to figure out how this game might look statistically. Notre Dame rushing the football. I gave the Irish the advantage in that category. Not a big, bold check mark, but a solid check mark. I've got the Irish averaging 4.6 yards per carry, 35 carries for 163 yards, and a touchdown. I've got Diggs and Estime carrying the ball 28 of the 35 attempts. Diggs, 13 carries, 51 yards. Estime pounds that Clemson defense 15 times for 83 yards. I'll say Estime will score a rushing touchdown for the Irish. The passing attack, I've got Pine just a little better than 50%. And I've got him 16 of 31 for 154 yards and a touchdown pass to Michael Mayer who will catch half of Pines passes, eight for 76 and a score. Lorenzo Styles get him the ball, bubble screen, wide receiver screen, bring him in motion and have Pine pitch it forward like a handoff, but it's a pass play and let him go on an end around. Try to get him involved. I've got him two catches for 31, so I'm not convinced that's gonna happen. When Clemson runs the football, I've got him at 4.7 yards per carry, 36 rushes for 171. And a couple of touchdowns, one by Shipley and one by DJ. Remember last time Clemson was here, 33 carries, 34 yards. Wow. And that was with Travis Etienne. Clemson throwing the football. I've got him 23 for 36 for 241 yards and a touchdown. And my leading tackler for Notre Dame in this game is Maris Leofau with eight based on the fact he's my best guess who will spy on the quarterback. From a Las Vegas standpoint, the spread has not moved. It is Clemson by three and a half. It stayed that way all week. I think it opened in some spots eight and a half. We saw five and a half, but it's been three and a half all week. Total points in the game. The over-under at last check was 44. And that number might go down with concerns about the weather. Although, as I mentioned earlier, based on the latest weather models, the rain could be done by the time kickoff comes around at 7.30 and the wind will be not as brisk as earlier in the afternoon. So right now, 44 is the over-under. According to BetMGM, 65% of bets on this game are taking Clemson minus three and a half. 63% of the money is on Clemson. So two-thirds of the bets and the money on Clemson, the line has not moved. It's like they're wanting people to take Clemson. 
They're not in the losing money business. They're in the making money business. So if they were worried about Clemson winning this game easily, they wouldn't leave that line like that. So I found that kind of interesting, but I'm trying not to get let that get into my head thinking about this game, but that's kind of interesting. Line has not moved. All right, I'll make a score prediction on the game coming up at the end of this hour when we go through the how the game will play out segment. But I will say I've got the game slightly over 44 at 46. All right, coming up in a couple of moments, our Twitter question of the day. You'll hear from Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney talking about this Notre Dame football team right after that. And then how the game will play out. That's the my five question of the day as we're talking all things Notre Dame Clemson on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Hey, don't forget about our WSBT radio remote tomorrow at Rally House University Crossings. Get ready for kickoff this Saturday and join us from 10 to noon at Rally House for the game day gear you are looking for, both college and pro right next to Petco in the University Crossing Shopping Center in Mishawaka. Find all the sports apparel and local merchandise you want quick and easy when you visit Rally House University Crossings. Rally House has an expansive selection of products available to browse, ensuring you can rep your team and city in style. Again, WSBT Radio live at Rally House University Crossings in Mishawaka from tomorrow, 10 until noon. It is 20 minutes in front of 6 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. On my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat, this is the question that I asked my followers yesterday. What do you believe will be the biggest key for Notre Dame to beat number four Clemson? Here were the four choices that I offered. Notre Dame's ability to run the football. How well quarterback Drew Pine plays. Creating turnovers or stopping Clemson's run game. Not a lot of love for two of the choices. Creating turnovers and stopping Clemson's run game. Obviously, very important parts of the game for Notre Dame. You can't let Will Shipley run around like he owns this place. A guy that almost committed to the Irish and unfortunately for Notre Dame, he ended up at Clemson, but you look at the Irish running back room, they're still in awfully good shape, but Shipley, a special talent. Clemson runs the ball successfully. It's going to force the Irish to have a complete day offensively. Creating turnovers, we saw how that could help a team last Saturday, but that got very little support at 6.1%. Second in the voting, the second biggest key for Notre Dame to beat Clemson, 
Notre Dame's ability to run the football. Honestly, it's an unfair question because I think number one and number two in the voting are both crucial for the Irish to win this game. I'm not sure you can have one without the other. So if you add the two votes together, Notre Dame's ability to run the ball and how well Drew Pine plays got 87.9% of the vote, and it should have. The Irish's ability to run the football got 27.3% without a running game. How does this game look? Looks murky. How well does quarterback Drew Pine play? Whomever you want to put the blame on for the passing game and offensive coordinator Tommy Reese tried to take some of the heat off Drew Pine in his comments Tuesday. Pine having another 50% passing day along with his teammates. That's a hard sell that that's going to be a winning formula against Clemson. Pine, how well he plays, got 60.6% of the vote. We thank you for voting, and we move along to today's question. What outright spread combination will be the end result of Notre Dame-Clemson tomorrow? Again, Notre Dame is getting three and a half points. Your three choices to vote on right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Since Notre Dame is the underdog, Notre Dame wins the game outright. Choice number two, Clemson wins the game outright, and they cover the three and a half points. And your third option, Clemson wins the game, but Notre Dame covers the spread. So that would mean Clemson wins by one, two, or three points. So which will be the correct combination? Outright spread. Notre Dame wins the game, or Clemson wins, Clemson covers, or Clemson wins, and Notre Dame covers. We love your vote. The public has gotten the answer right the last two weeks. Let's see if we can make it a trifecta. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you by South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fits anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryout. Barnaby's the family inn. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney talks all things Notre Dame football next on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! 
on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame, Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 549 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Irish and the Clemson Tigers, Notre Dame Stadium. Tomorrow night, 7.30 kickoff sellout crowd. We'll see how many Clemson fans make the trip to South Bend for this matchup as the Tigers try to keep hope alive for a spot in the college football playoff. Notre Dame looks to continue to try to change the narrative from that 0-2 start plus the loss to Stanford. Again, 7.30 kickoff right here on WSBT Radio. Debo Sweeney, a couple of national championships won as the head coach of the Clemson Tigers, and Debo's ready to come back to South Bend. And then you have places like Notre Dame, right? Like, that's iconic. Um, and, I mean, we've, we've won there one time since 1979. Now, I know we've only played there once, uh, but still, I mean, you know, it's not like you get to go to a place like Notre Dame every year. And I think... You know, the, the history of Notre Dame, the brand of Notre Dame, is it speaks for itself. I mean, this is a, a, a historic place that Tim Beret loves to tell me about uh, for 20 years. Uh, so I, I know way more about Notre Dame than I probably should. Uh, but it's special, and I, and I am glad. You know, that was – we were thankful to be able to play. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, it's kind of disappointing, you know, because especially when, when you're – when you have this vision and you go up there and, you know, and it's, it, it is what it is at that time. But so it, it is exciting to be able to see Notre Dame at its best. And, and I know that's what we'll get. We'll get, we'll get the best, the best they got and look forward to competing against them. Coach Sweeney talked about how Notre Dame started 0-2 and now they have won five of their last, last six. And he sees this team starting to turn things around led by their head coach, Marcus Freeman. Watched, you know, every play of every game and really, uh, you know, a good feel for who they are. Um, man, I, I think, um, uh, and I don't know Coach Freeman, but, man, he's done a great job of really, you know, just settling them in is the best way I can say it. I mean, they, they lost, they had two tough losses. And when you're at a place like Notre Dame and uh, just like at, at Clemson, you know, it, it, it just really shows the type of leader that I think he is, that he's been able to really uh, overcome that and really settle them down. Uh, both as a, and manage that staff and manage his team. I'm really impressed with, uh, you know, I know he's always been a great coach, but I'm impressed with him as a leader because it's a difficult thing to do. So a couple tough losses early. Uh, they've had injuries, you know, they lost their starting quarterback. Uh, they had to kind of redefine themselves in some areas. They lost a great receiver. They, they've had, you know, another tight end out. They've had good players that, that uh, they've lost, uh, but they still got, you know, eight starters back on, on offense and seven back on defense. It's a really veteran football team, and all of a sudden you, you, get, you don't get off to the start that you want. Um, and we're right there against Ohio State, you know, in, in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then obviously a, a, another difficult loss after that, and your quarterback gets hurt. You know, how do you handle that? Well, I mean, they've won five out of six. You know, they've settled down. Again, here is Dabo talking about a little more in depth on what he is seeing right now from the Fighting Irish offense. I think they have found their identity. Uh, they're getting the ball to their playmakers, you know, and uh, the court, the you know, Ten Pine, who's come in, is has really settled in, you know, to the role. I think early on, you know, they were trying to really kind of figure out uh, some things. 
I mean, they got three grown men at running back. And, you know, there's no, there's no secret what their identity is. And you can either match that or you can't, um, you know, because, I mean, they have a – and you've played eight games, so you have a distinct style of play at this point. And uh, they're a very physical group. Uh, all three backs can, can, can beat you. All three of them, they got all got about the same amount of carries. I mean, these guys are really, really good football players. Uh, we saw one up close a couple years ago. Uh, they, they've settled in at receiver, got three really good receivers in zero and four and 83. And then 87 is a All-American. I mean, he's, he's a great, great football player uh, that, that they use. But, you know, they have a, they have a, a style of play, and you, you either are ready for that or you're not. So it's going to be a very physical game. And finally, Dabo was asked to give a little more detail on what he's seeing from that number 87. The All-American candidate of the Fighting Irish, Michael Mayer. It's all built for the run game. I mean, you know, they move him around, first of all. You know, they'll put him outside, and they'll, they'll line him up and uh, uh, throw one-on-one red zone shot to him. They'll put him in the slot and run an inside fade. Uh, they run double moves with him. They'll use him like a receiver. But most of the – I mean, they, they screen it to him. I mean, they'll literally screen it to him like he's a receiver. Um, but uh, they've handed it to him in the backfield. Uh, but most of it comes through all their runs, run action. Swap, boots, you know, where's Waldo? I mean, he's all over the place. Uh, he's, he's one, he's two, he's three. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, because you got to stop the run. You, know, you have to stop the run or they're going to they're gonna kill you. Uh, and then three backs are sledgehammers. And then, you know, all them guys up front, the offensive linemen, they create extra gaps formationally. It's a real challenge to just to line up against these guys because it's a you know it's a different type of football uh, than maybe you see on a weekly basis. So challenges from a discipline standpoint, a, a leverage standpoint, alignment because you have to you have to stop the run. Interesting observations on Mayor from Dabo, and you know one thing that I see that is done a lot in the National Football League. You take your number one offensive weapon. And from time to time, you use him as a decoy. And if if and when, I should say, Mayer gets bracketed by Clemson, don't be afraid to run him up the seam. And if everybody's going to run with him, take two defenders out of the middle of the field because look at the huge gap in the defense you're leaving behind, in particular if you're in man coverage. So sometimes... Mayor being a decoy, I think, can help Drew Pine. You hate to take a guy like Mayor out of the equation, and he's not necessarily totally out of the equation, but if you send him up the seam, all of a sudden look underneath. If they're in man and you got two guys chasing 87, 25 yards down the field, you know what? I'm okay with that because you've got some open opportunities in the intermediate routes to possibly pick up some yardage, and you might have Drew Pine finding somebody wide open with that area of the field vacated with people chasing 87 down the field. Dabo and the Tigers, 8-0, coming off a bye. I'm sure they're in South Bend right now, getting set, if they haven't been already, stopping by Notre Dame Stadium and getting set for tomorrow's game, which kicks off at 7.30. 5.57, the My 5 is next on WSBT. One question, five answers. 
This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, and here comes the My 5, the top five ways the Notre Dame-Clemson game will play out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, I think Clemson is going to do whatever they can to slow down the running game. you got Mayer to contend with it tight end, so you're going to have a situation where Clemson is going to give the Irish wide receivers a chance to make big plays and to win this game. Can the passing game get it done? You're probably going to have a lot of one-on-one situations on the outside. Can Notre Dame take advantage? Four. Well, DJU is the quarterback for Clemson. How well he plays might tell us what type of day it's going to be for the Clemson offense. He got replaced in the Syracuse game by a true freshman. He can run the ball, which is something you have to be concerned about. So when you're rushing the quarterback, you got to stay in your lanes. You can't leave him a huge avenue to run the football because he will definitely take advantage. But last game, he was mistake prone. Let's see if the Irish can put that into his head early on in this ball game. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. You know, I think both run games are going to be okay in this game, which is. Step number one for Notre Dame for having a chance to win this particular contest. Talking to Matt Connolly from ClemsonSports.com, he says the Clemson defensive line is good, but not playing at the level of all the hype that they received at the start of the season and at times during the season. I believe in the Irish offensive line. Can they play physical, hard-nosed football? You better believe it. Let's see if Clemson can handle it. But again, I think both run games are going to be okay tomorrow. Number two. You know, I think the Irish can play well enough to win this game, but what is the passing game going to give me? That is what is holding me back from really getting behind this fighting Irish football team. Whether it's Drew Pine's accuracy, route running, pass blocking, whatever the case may be, can the passing game do enough to offset the Irish running game. The better the passing game is, heck, the better the run game is going to be because that's less that Clemson can worry about that part of the Irish offense. Number one. And my final score prediction, if you could tell me the passing game was going to be okay, I would change my score. But based on the last three weeks, I've got Clemson 26 and Notre Dame 20. Sports Center update is coming up. Then a quick preview on Notre Dame hockey. They're in action at number three, Minnesota. Tonight, you'll hear from Tyler Horka talking Notre Dame and Clemson coming up in a couple of moments here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Derek. Right now hits 15. Logan Diggs, a tailback to the left of Drew Pine in the shotgun. Davis Sherwood, tight end, lined up as a fullback to the right. Pine takes the snap inside the Diggs, cuts once, surges for the goal line, and gets there. Touchdown, Logan Diggs. Paul Burmeister on the Notre Dame Radio Network on Saturday. He had the call of the Irish 41-24 victory over Syracuse on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, a day in which the Fighting Irish ran the ball 56 times and only threw it 19 times 
The defense had a pick six. The special teams blocked another punt, setting up a two-yard touchdown. So the Irish offense put up 27 points kind of by themselves and then got a boost from special teams and the defense to get that total up to 41. Let's break down this matchup with our eye, of course, looking ahead to the matchup with number 5 Clemson this Saturday night at 7.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. We bring in my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. We'll be on the air from Notre Dame Stadium from 4 until 6.30 on Saturday. He is Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka. Well, the old saying that many people live by, you always want a balanced offense. If you got 70 plays, you want to be as close to – 50-50 as possible, and I've always not been a fan of that saying because if a team has a weakness and you see it and you can really take advantage of it, why would you try to do something different? So I went into this Saturday's game talking on the show. I hope Tommy Reese stays disciplined. I hope he runs the football because after what I saw, Clemson-Syracuse, Clemson ran it down Syracuse's throat in the second half on their way to a comeback victory. And you know what? Sure enough, Tyler, he let that running game eat. And even though the numbers, 4.4 yards per carry, weren't staggering and they, they never seemed to have that big explosive run, that was a game plan that really took advantage of a weakness of Syracuse. So I know Tommy catches a lot of heat. I really like the game plan he put together on Saturday for the most part. Yeah, and I totally agree with you what you said at the beginning there. When If you've got a weakness, and for Notre Dame, that is passing the football, especially in the last three games, why would you go do, to that just as much as you go to the thing that works? And for Notre Dame, that's running the football. I mean, to run the ball over 50 times, 56 times, like you said, is just an incredible stat. And I think uh, my coworker Patrick Engel had a stat in his rewatch where – it's the most since 2017, and Notre Dame has only run the ball over 50 times twice since, I think it was like 2008 or something. So we're talking mm. about 15 years' worth of data points here in 12 games, 12 or 13 games a year, obviously. And there's only been two times that Notre Dame has done that, and that just exemplifies the way that Tommy Reese and Notre Dame thought it was going to win a game against Syracuse on the road against a top-20 opponent was – hey, man, keep this thing on the ground, churn out first downs. We've got a stable of backs who can who can run the ball. And sure enough, Audric Estime, one week after only running the ball three times against UNLV and was benched because he fumbled for a third time in the last four games, he gets 20 carries and goes for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Logan Diggs, the guy who was the bell cow against UNLV the previous week with 28 carries, he gets another 20 carries, so – it's just a confident group up front, and we'd be remiss not to mention the offensive line, yeah. obviously, paving the way. Garrett Patterson gets the player of the game on the offense from Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff, and he just said it today in his press conference. He was like, we could have picked any one of those five up front because it all starts with those guys, and that's a cliche, but it's true, man, because if you don't have guys that are moving the, the pile up front and pushing the line of scrimmage downfield in your favor, then you're not going to be able to run like Notre Dame was, but Obviously, it's a, it's a different task this week against Clemson, number seven rushing defense in the country in terms of yards per game allowed. And this is a unit that's only averaging 88 yards on the ground per game. So uh, this is not the undersized 
Syracuse defensive lineman that Notre Dame is facing this mm. week. So it's it's strength on strength, and it's going to be really intriguing to watch. I've always been a big Chris Tyree fan, and in the first month of the season, I wanted him to get the football more. Just like coaches, as a media member, sometimes you have to adjust on the fly. And I'm going to make an adjustment to how I feel about the Irish running back room. Now, we both in agreement, three running back splitting carries is not healthy because it just doesn't allow you to get into the proper rhythm as a running back. And any running back who you give true serum to is going to tell you that. With the way Notre Dame successfully runs the football between the tackles and struggles running outside the tackles, this is why I'm making a change in my thinking. I think if that is who they are, their identity, that Diggs and Estime give you the best chance to succeed. Tyree is still a versatile guy that can help you as a pass catcher, but you know what? If that is your identity and if that's the way you're going to run the football, I would rather have good blocking wide receivers to help in the running game than having Tyree out there. So as much as I'm a big fan of Chris Tyree, I kind of like what we saw against Syracuse with Diggs and Estimate taking control of the carries. I kind of want to get your thoughts on the direction of this offense, in particular the use of the running backs. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And it's not to say that Chris Tyree can't do it, because I go back to he the can. Cal game where it was Audric Estime and Chris Tyree because Logan Diggs was sick and didn't play in that game. And you'd almost think it was Logan Diggs wearing number 25 for Notre Dame because I think the carries in that game were split 18-17. Chris Tyree, Audric Estime basically ran for the same amount of yards. They piled up 150 between the two. I think they were both around 75 or 80. But he can do it. But I'm just sitting there watching that game against Syracuse, and you see the way number seven hits the hole and number three hits the hole. I mean, those guys are running hard, and they don't want that first guy to tackle them. And, and a lot of times that first guy does not tackle them all on his own. He needs some help. When 25 gets it, I don't know what it is. There's just something about the first guy being able to tackle him or he gets tripped mm-hmm. up or he just doesn't have that strength. And obviously that would make sense because he is not as big as certainly Audric Estime, and he's not even as big as Logan Diggs. So there's a power element missing there. And then they did try to run him outside a couple times, and you saw a couple tackles for losses. It just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, I think Greg McElroy made a really good point that that's Syracuse's strength. Notre Dame was playing into it uh, on a couple of those runs because they're so quick and, and small up front that they're able to get out there a little quicker than the bigger guys on the defensive line. But, yeah, if Notre Dame's M.O. is that power game, north-south, run between the tackles, get the tight ends involved, just run it up right up the middle on teams, then, yeah, it's, it's Audric Estime. And, and it's Logan Diggs, but with Chris Tyree, when people say, oh, yeah, he's, he's a great pass catcher, and he is, that doesn't mean you have to line him up at wide receiver. You could still put him in the backfield. I think Notre Dame has done some really good things in the RPO game to get him the ball in space while he's still lined up as a running back. So it doesn't mean he's totally phased out of the backfield component. I think you can still put him back there, but when it comes time to run the ball, if you're Notre Dame, I think the last two weeks have shown you – uh, obviously not with Estime against UNLV, but, I mean, Logan Diggs is definitely one of those guys. And then this week showed you, okay, when he's not fumbling the football, I think Audric Estime is probably the best pure runner that Notre Dame has on this team. So if you do go with the two-back system, which we are both a proponent of, that leaves somebody out. And right now that's Chris Tyree, the odd man out. 
before I ask my next main question, let me set it up by asking this. In my opinion, the four best teams in college football have separated themselves from everybody else. In my four, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, to me, is not that caliber of a football team. Agree or disagree? I think we're uh, we're missing a team that is about three hours away from here in Ann Arbor. I think they're they're in there too. But to me, it's a it's a top six, and maybe Clemson and Michigan are those two that are not as good as the, as the top four. I'd probably give you that, but I, I think Michigan's even better than Clemson. So yes, I agree okay. with you that Clemson is outside of that top four for sure. They're a beatable football team. I think they have yes. some flaws. But to me, some of their flaws, the Notre Dame ability to take advantage, it's going to be hard because it's also a flaw for them. I think the Syracuse corners are very gettable, but now we start talking about the Irish passing attack, Tyler. And Drew Pine, the last three games, is 36 for 74, 48.6% completion percentage, 9 of 19 against Syracuse. I brought up the eliteness because I think Clemson is a beatable football team. You can beat them with maybe average to above average quarterback play. It's going to take other parts of the team playing extremely well. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a pushover football team. But this quarterback play against the best of the best teams on the roster, Tyler, simply put, it is not sustainable. I agree with that. And that's where you've seen some of the issues where if we go back to the conversation we were having right at the beginning about balance, there are going to be days where you cannot run the football, and Saturday is probably one of them. So what do you have to do in response to that is you got to throw it around at least a little bit. If you're not able to do that, I mean, you're – I wouldn't even call yourself one-dimensional at that point. You're just – you're kind of hanging yourself out to dry. You're, you're not a good offense, and you saw that against Stanford when Notre Dame only scored 14 points. You saw it for stretches against California. Uh, that wasn't exactly an offensive juggernaut-like type game for Notre Dame, and – this is one of those where you hit the nail on the head. If Clemson's defense has a weakness, it's been that secondary. I go back to a quote where Davo Sweeney said, um, I, I think, it, was it the Wake Forest game where Clemson gave up a, a boatload of points and the secondary was just getting toast? I think they gave up five or six passing touchdowns, and Davo was like, it wasn't very good, but at least we didn't give up seven. <laughs> Notre Dame does not have the type of <laughs> offense to, to even get uh, – I mean – who really thinks that Drew Pine can go back to throwing even three touchdowns in one game right now? I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't see four or five. So if that's the way that you get Clemson, I think Dabo Sweeney is sitting there going, man, this game could have been really dangerous on our schedule. We're undefeated. We have all these things going for us, but, you know, it's not a conference game and these guys have all this talent. I think he's sitting there not thinking any of those things right now. He's thinking, man, if we stop that Notre Dame ground game, it, this 5'11-and-a-half quarterback is not going to beat us down the field, and, and that's the way we've been getting beat this year. So it, it's almost frustrating to a degree if you're Notre Dame, and I've seen some of it already on the blueandgold.com message board and even on Twitter where these fans are sitting there thinking, man, I, I love what happened against Syracuse, but is that really going to happen against this other team that wears orange that's coming to South Bend this weekend? I really don't think Notre Dame's going to be able to run like that. So at that point, what can Drew Pine do for us? And if that's the question, just look at the last three weeks, and it has not been pretty. You laid out the numbers. It's, 
it's going to be a struggle for Notre Dame. And the game you were referencing was Clemson's fourth game when it took two overtimes to win at Wake Forest, 51-45, and Demon Deacon quarterback Sam Hartman threw six touchdown passes in the game. So, yeah, at least he didn't throw seven. They got out of Dodge with a victory. And let's see if I can – I've been practicing. DJ Uyan Galale had five touchdown passes that day against Wake Forest. Will Shipley, who the Irish tried and tried to get the running back, went over 100 yards in that game, had 172 against Syracuse. Let me just get a quick thought on DJ and Will and the type of challenge that is in front of Al Golden's defense on Saturday. Yeah, I'll start with Will. He's really, really good, and it seems kind of like the theme. Notre Dame always has to play these really, really good running backs. Even when Marshall was out without star Rasheen Ali, Kalan Laybourne comes in and wins that game for the Thundering Herd. And Notre Dame did a really good job against Sean Tucker, though. Mm -hmm. So I think the defense has – evolved to a point where it's not letting really, really good running backs beat it. Uh, UNLV's running back, I, his name escapes me, but he had a couple of those long runs, though. So, so you are worried about a dynamic guy like Will Shipley who can, quite frankly, get out in space and, and make some guys miss and, and take really long runs almost to the house, if not to the house. And then as far as DJ Uyunglele goes, I mean, he's coming off of his toughest start of the season I would call it he, he yeah. got benched let's call it what it is against Syracuse against the Syracuse team that obviously Notre Dame just had its way with and I think some of that had to do with Clemson beating Syracuse up a little bit but uh, that's just the course of a football season but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game that quarterback has because the last time he was at this very stadium he threw for what close to 450 yards and four touchdowns and the circumstances are a little bit different now he's not backing up Trevor Lawrence and this team is his it's supposed to be his anyway and if he struggles again and we might see a little bit of Kate Klubnick out there the five-star mm. freshman that Clemson is really really high on and I will say this though a couple times on your show I said I think it's going to be Kate Klubnick and I mean we're going back to like July yeah. and August and even maybe in September but I will give DJU credit for the way he kind of stabilized because if you look at the, his numbers they're really good he's taking care of the football outside of what he did against Syracuse when he turned it over three times on his own. He's running for touchdowns. He's throwing for touchdowns. So if Clemson gets that guy against Notre Dame on Saturday, and if they do stop that Notre Dame rushing attack, like we said, I mean, this is why they're a top-five team in the country. They're undefeated. They're aimed back at the college football playoff. When he's playing like that, I mean, he's more than serviceable. He's up there with, you know, some of the better quarterbacks in the country in terms of what he can do. I'll add this. I'm not sure Clemson has the quality of wide receivers they had when they were winning championships. Amari Rodgers and Sammy Watkins and T. Higgins. I I don't think they have that quality of a wide receiver. So DJ is a tad bit hampered compared to like a Deshaun Watson, man, when he had some NFL wide receivers to throw to. Let me throw this. Even with Will Will Shipley, I mean – Travis Etienne is uh, is a different dude as well. You see him on Sundays every day now, and uh, that that definitely helped Clemson as well. Let me ask you this, because there are a lot of Irish fans who are right now chatting with family or guys at the barber shop, whatever the case may be, about Drew Pine. And wondering, hey, this Steve Angeli guy is a freshman. I'm sure people are saying, well, he can't do any worse than this. How do you try to talk to those people that 
probably at this point, Drew Pine is still the best option. And we have to trust the coaching staff because they see these guys every day. Hey, let's face it. If Steve Angeli was better right now, he would play. And that's the same thing I said last year when I was fighting off the Drew Pine talk. I'm like, Jack Cohen is still the best quarterback on this roster. You have to go with them until you see something different in practice. Yeah, and I think you have to go with him until you just see complete rock bottom on a Saturday, too. And some might say, yeah, Stanford was rock bottom, but I mean, that, the circumstances dictate what you do with the starting quarterback. There was no point in that game where Notre Dame was completely out of it where you said, oh my gosh, we have to go a completely yeah. different direction if we're, if we're going to even stay in this game. So at that point, you stay with the guy who, who won you a game against California, North Carolina, and BYU. You say, man, he, he's got he's to find it at some point, and, and maybe we're going to come back to win this game. It didn't happen on that particular day. But it also didn't get so bad to where you say, man, we have to take him out. And again, mm-hmm. this past weekend against Syracuse, was he great? No, he only completed nine of 19 passes. But he did a, a couple things. Uh, let's, let's talk about the throw to Michael Mayer where he goes down the sideline for 37 yards. And then he hits Mayer on the very next play, 11 yards. And then Tommy Reese dials up a beautiful play action on the goal line. Yes. I, mean, I tweeted that video. Go to at TB Horka if you guys want to see that. It, it's an excellent the way they lined up, everybody was on the line of scrimmage, the play action, Jaden Thomas in the corner. It was beautiful. He hits that throw, Drew Pine does. So he did enough. And Notre Dame won by 17 points. So I don't think you're pulling a quarterback, a junior, for a true freshman when you're beating the number 16 team in the country by 17 points on the road. Yeah, the defense in the running game had so much to do with it, way more than Drew Pine had to do with it. But I mean, you, at some point, you want a little bit of stability with what you're doing. And I think leaving the junior in there to figure it out, because this is the first time he's ever started this many games in a row at the college level. Maybe he can get back to what he was doing against California in the second half, mm-hmm. North Carolina on the road, BYU in Las Vegas. Like, like that, that guy exists somewhere in Drew Pine, and maybe it'll come back out. I don't think you just totally shoot his confidence and basically end his college career, at least at Notre Dame, if you pull him for a true freshman in the second half of a season where he's already playing because your starter got hurt at the beginning of the year. I think you just got to stick it out, ride with him, hope he gets back to doing what he was doing a little earlier in the year. That call you're talking about, the play action that Reese dialed up, that gives me hope for the offense going forward in the red zone. I thought at times they get a little vanilla, Although that that end around against Stanford does not fall into the vanilla category, but I love the play action. I was calling for a play action to the the number two tight end. Go twelve personnel. Have the two tight ends. Yeah. I guarantee you play action to that backup tight end. No one is going to see that coming. Next best thing, you go play action there to a receiver, and it works out perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And just one more thing on that yeah. call against Stanford that you brought up. That wasn't vanilla. That was just expired ice cream you left it in the back of the freezer and you're like oh man i need to just throw this away bitter beer face ago. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> all right i know that your colleague mike singer is going to have a busy weekend this is a huge recruiting weekend for the fighting irish i know you and patrick are going to have all angles of this game ready to go this week at blueandgold.com yeah, it's amazing what happens when Notre Dame plays well and they beat a top-20 opponent on the road like that. It seems like our readership 
numbers were up a little bit. And if that was because of anyone listening to this, we thank you. If you if it wasn't you, then you need to uh, jump on board because you could sign up at blueandgold.com for 12 months of premium access for only $10. That deal is running through the end of this season and then all the way through the beginning of next season. So he's got plenty of months to do it. I've been saying all along, though, if you haven't done it already, do it today because it's an awesome deal. And we've got this game, which has always been one of the biggest on the schedule for Notre Dame. And I think it got a little bit bigger with what the Irish did last week. And basketball starts tonight. I hang up the phone and I'm going to go watch Neil Ivey's team play an exhibition game. I think the men have an exhibition game later this week. Yep. So it's a, it's a happening time at blueandgold.com. It always is, but there's something about November, uh, the month of November, when all of these sports are crossing over. It's, a, it's an awesome time mm. to follow collegiate athletics. I know it's what if, ands, and buts, but man, this team very easily could be seven and one, and we're having totally different conversations about this game. That's the part that's frustrating yeah. losing to Marshall and Stanford. He is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He'll join me for game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra from Notre Dame Stadium Saturday from 4 until 6.30. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you then. All right. See you Saturday. You bet. Tyler Horka covers the Fighting Irish, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We've got a Sports Center update coming up in just a couple of moments. I'm going to hand out some game balls from that Irish win over Syracuse and How about the job Brian Mason is doing with special teams? This was supposed to be fair catch you. Not anymore. How about five punts blocked so far this year? And that's good because that'll force Clemson to spend a whole lot more time on making sure the Irish don't get to another punt in this Saturday's ballgame. Difference-making stuff right now from Coach Mason's group. 557 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 